0: professors FM analytics with Mike Lewis the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics here's your host Mike Lewis marketing professor at Emory University welcome everyone welcome to the Analytics podcast Mike Lewis And Doug Battle coming at you from Emory University, the Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, it's an interesting week for the NFL. So the Super Bowl was last week. Now we are firmly into the NFL offseason. It's an interesting time for the league. I I don't know if you, um, we we didn't talk about this in the the brief pre-meeting, but um, are you aware of how the Super Bowl did in the TV ratings?
1: I'm not. I'm actually very curious. What uh, what what are you hearing? What are you seeing?
0: So the numbers I've seen is that, and I've seen a couple of numbers. So I don't know which is correct, but it sound. I've seen one number, fifteen percent off. Another number, nine percent off. So let's say that the Super Bowl was about you know ten to fifteen percent off in terms of viewership. One article indicated that the the fewest People watch the Super Bowl since 2007.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, well, uh, I do have a question for you, Mike, as far as how they they um, find those numbers. And I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but are they are they solely counting the number of screens that are showing the Super Bowl, or do they somehow know? Do they kind of find an average? Person per screen, and find the numbers that way if that makes sense
0: well the the article I'm referencing does say people now, how they yeah. go from boxes or diaries you know i, I yeah. I'm not sure how Nielsen is coming up with their numbers anymore, but uh but you know they are making some adjustment for a uh, number of people per, per okay. screen um
1: okay, gotcha
0: so I think it's an interesting thing because. And and again, we won't we won't touch too much on the editorial side of this, but, you know, we we are still at an amazing cultural moment. And and I think this cultural moment is important in terms of where sports and where fandom is going to go. Uh, The other thing that is started to hit get some publicity is that the NFL is trying to do uh, some new TV deals. They're looking to, you know, actually get a pretty significant bump up in terms of the rates they're being paid. And it's kind of a fascinating moment where they're looking for more money and they're going to get more money, it sounds like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it, um, and, and you could argue that, well, you know, there's more folks bidding now, right? Because now, in addition to the TV networks, you probably have interest from, you know, maybe there's interest from Netflix. Maybe there's interest from from mm-hmm. Amazon and you know live sports has always been the thing that's held tv programming kind of in the game as mm-hmm. people in your generation have have cut their have cut the cable but on the other side you know it's it's a year that has had some very negative signals in terms of sports fandom with the nba finals ratings being off 50% nhl 60% i think the nfl uh, regular season was down and again, I've seen different numbers, but let's call it about 10% and the Super Bowl down fifteen percent in terms of viewers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think normally as an advertiser, you might view this as an opportunity if you think things are gonna return to or regress to the to the norm. Um, it'd be a buy low. Situation where you might think you'll get a value if you're paying for the number of viewership there is now, but you think viewership's going (laughs) to increase. But it looks like it's being priced as if viewership is fantastic now, um, which is a little bit backwards to to how business usually (laughs) works. It seems.
0: Well, and I don't want to dig in too much on what I'm on the path I'm about to go down, but you know, real real casually, the the culture wars, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. as I've said, this is such an interesting cultural moment. This is the first time in my career where I think the professors are more afraid of the students than the students are yep. of the professors. Right? Yep. The, the idea that something is going to be said that can be, you know, maybe twisted a little bit, and yeah. suddenly, you know, off off to the races in terms of cancellations. Uh, we saw in the last week. We've seen Gina Carano canceled and we don't even have to go into any of the details but you know we talked about the mandalorian in in depth uh about a month ago uh we saw the what's his name let me look something up real quick the strength coach for the chris doyle who had been the strength coach at iowa who got a got into some trouble for racist comments alleged racist Uh comments Uh, Got a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars and was released the next day. And I don't know, you were mentioning something about the bachelor and you know, if you want to go down that path, fine. If you (laughs) want to avoid it, that's fine too.
1: I won't get into uh, too much detail, but one of the contestants on the show and then I think Chris, Chris Harrison, I think that's his name, the guy that like kind of hosted it. um, He removed himself from the show and she had to put out a public apology for uh, attending a, fraternity event when she was 18 years old um and and that being racist by the nature of what the event was uh with gina karanu or however you pronounce her name well, one interesting thing to me about that was like on twitter prior to it happening trending on twitter was like in all caps fire gina karanu because she had posted something on social media that people didn't like and then as soon as she was actually fired from disney and lucasfilm uh trending on twitter was like hashtag Cancel Disney Plus hashtag like cancel your subscription like all these people saying I'm no longer going to be a paying customer of Disney if this is how they're going to treat uh, freedom of speech for for their employees or whatnot and so you can truly see just by way of Twitter the divide culturally and and these people that want nothing more and take so much pleasure in seeing someone like her fired for her actions and her words um, and then people who respond to that by saying, well, you know what, you might like that, but we're not going to support your business anymore.
0: And that's kind of the perfect point to make that not going to, you know, only going to make the observation that the culture continues to spin in very strange ways that what does that mean for how any of these fandom-oriented businesses are going to end up? You know, you, you go back to the beginning. Of, hey, you go back three years ago, four years ago, and Colin Kaepernick taking the knee for the national anthem was an enormous issue. Now we have reversed it to last summer. NBA players not taking a knee is an issue, and and so it's regardless. Like I said, to me, it's a strange time to be negotiating a. 10-year deal in terms of Mm -hmm. sports broadcasting and the point that you just made that essentially you're damned if you do and damned if you Mm -hmm. don't because Mm -hmm. it's like you got two segments segment a and segment b and it appears at the moment to be impossible to make both of those segments happen and so if you're a mass media business like sports has been Yeah, maybe the pie is, you know, we talk in marketing about growing the pie. Maybe the pie is actually going to get a little bit smaller, a little bit more focused.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I know a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm not going to watch football anymore. Like football guys are going to watch football. Like girls that watch The Bachelor are going to watch The Bachelor, even if there's an incident that they find racist or if they find the, uh, you know, the correction for that to be too extreme or, or, or to um, be harmful to, to certain individuals. And so on the one hand, there's that. But, I mean, I do know people that have specifically stopped watching the NFL. I also know people that say, you know, that, that talk a big game and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to stop watching football if they make that regular. But, like, people, a lot of people just can't stop watching football or well, The Bachelor or whatever it may be, Star Wars.
0: Let me make an observation about brand equity sort of the idea of powerful brands and sports brands in particular. So as we've had ratings declines over the last year, there's been a bit of a debate. And look, I've weighed in on this with some of my thoughts. Um, And the debates always seem to sort of focus on, you know, you got like, let's say, I think it's a website called Outkick with Jason Whitlock Mm -hmm. that definitely hammers the, well, it's gone to social justice. And that's why people are dropping off. And some of the more established media channels are going to look for, kind of look for any other explanation. You know, my take is that, well, what I've gone on record as saying, and it's related to the point you made about the Super Bowl watching, is that as COVID has shut down communal consumption of sports, I think that's really hurt. But I think the reality is, is that all of these things, Mm man. And so the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the search for the sort of the one magic bullet that is causing a ratings decline is kind of, it's kind of foolish. Now, the other thing that I think matters that I think a lot of people don't get is that when you're talking about the brands and let's say people now starting to view these sports through a different, let's say, politicized lens, is that I don't think you're going to see the drop off instantaneously. It's not like Colin Kaepernick is going to kneel and people are going to stop watching football. If I'm an NFL brand manager, what I'm really kind of concerned about is kind of the slow drip, mm-hmm. right? that it's like over time for a lot of fans, does this become kind of less fun? You're right. And so look, I mean, when you think about sports, you're, you're a young guy. So this is a good question. When I, when you think about sports in the pre Colin Kaepernick era, how much of like politics and sort of current events, cultural wars, how much of that was part of your thinking about sports?
1: Not at all. I mean, I, I, Growing up, part of that may be just pure ignorance as a kid. You're not really keeping up with politics and all that. Um, I think the closest thing I can remember is 9-11 and George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees game, which seemed to me, I guess as a kid, as a uniting moment and a a time when sports was bringing people together um, and unifying people showing people that at the end of the day we all care about each other (laughs) that was my takeaway but again i was a kid and so i didn't see all this divide maybe it was there maybe it wasn't um i i that's not my experience
0: okay but now three four years into this cycle Mm -hmm. now when you think of sports do and and so in, in some ways it's like let's think about sort of the, the the way the brain works and the way the brain works in terms of the associations right and so not get away from sports for a second if you think about something your girlfriend your family your mm-hmm. hometown does that start to generate thoughts of connected things right i yeah. mean absolutely yeah. right and so now when you think about sports and you think think about your teams now there's stuff on the periphery that starts to enter right Mm-hmm. And some of that is political in nature, I would think.
1: Oh yeah, I and, mean if and let me I'm get, sure if, is that a positive? I mean, for ah. me, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I I like for sports. Again, I'm not telling anybody to shut up and dribble. But as a consumer, my preference is to get away from things with sports. When I watch sports, it's it's much like when i listen to music that doesn't have lyrics when i listen yeah. to sound trivia, it's like i want something neutral where i can just purely enjoy something and, and there's an escapism to it um and same with film i mean a lot of times with film it used to be more that way and now it's not as much and and it there's kind of these little anxieties that come with um some of the agendas that are promoted both in sports and in film
0: okay and and so again you know not taking the slightest political perspective on any of this right. stuff today. Right. No judgment offered whatsoever. It's just a matter of kind of the reality of it. If You introduce yeah. another factor into these brands, a highly charged and contentious factor. And I think you're going to, you know, there's going to be a long term consequence. Whatever that consequence is, you know, we can, we can debate and you, know, you can say, well, you know, this demographic is growing in size, so this might work out as a positive. I don't know, but it's we, we've gone down a path where things are less certain. You know, to me, things are less certain in terms of how how fandom's gonna work in the future for for any of these leagues, including the NFL. All yeah. that as the backdrop to <laughs> Think about what is going on at the start of the NFL season. So, on top of all of that kind of political or the cultural Mm -hmm. drama, you know, again, it's like it it just feels like a land, a a field of landmines at this point, right? This type of we've
1: probably, somebody's probably canceled one of us by now, but this type of even though we're trying our best here, this
0: type of cultural uncertainty in terms of where this is going to go. In addition, I can't help but look at the NFL. And look at the quarterback positions, the quarterback position. And so if I'm negotiating a a contract with the NFL, one of the things that I, you know, I don't know how much these TV networks get into is a look at where is the power going to be in those leagues going forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I ask my, and I'll sort of just throw it out to you, and I've got an article coming out on NFL fan base rankings, give me your top five marquee NFL brands. Okay. Not let's say current day, you know, cuz that you know, not based on yeah. who the current players are, but right. long term who are they?
1: Um, I think definitely you've got to have the Dallas Cowboys okay. in there. Always number Dallas 1 so when I do this I'm survey. Always, I feel like I'm always biased to the NFC East, though. like I start to go through Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, <laughs> Washington football team. But but, but, I, but I think um, that, I
0: think that's that's kind of fine, right? Because in some ways, yeah. CBS was always biased towards those when I was growing up and I, yeah.
1: So. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Um, I would put the Giants, but I'm a Giants fan. You you kind uh, of
0: blacked out there for a second. So after Cowboys, sorry. So I said
1: Cowboys, then I said Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Um, I said I would put the Giants, but I'm a New York Giants fan. So I don't know how much my bias is playing into that, but I do think historically um, they're certainly on there. I still I still think the Eagles. Washington football team, yeah. So I mean the <laughs> NFC East.
0: Okay, the NFC East. Yeah. Oh, well, really, in you know maybe one way 49ers to look at that is or... 49ers. Yeah. You know, in some ways, and again, this this kind of hurts me because I'm not a Cowboys fan in any ways, but it's almost like the Cowboys are the premier brand in the league, and then their opponents uh, as the rest of the NFC East make the <laughs> list.
1: Yeah, I mean I hate the Cowboys so um
0: Okay, so in terms of your list and I can tell you I've been asking this question for years and studying it in terms of looking at the data. Uh Cowboys absolutely make that <clears throat> make the list. Uh Steelers make the list. Uh Packers are usually pretty high up there.
1: Uh Packers, yeah. The Patriots and Bears.
0: The Patriots are a relative newcomer to this, but they're mm-hmm. pretty well established at this point, massive yeah. social media following, massive revenues. 49ers tend to make that list and i've seen the giants and the eagles pop in and out of it for a number for a number of years and, and you're yeah. right if we're going to a top 10 then you're probably going to get to like the bears the bears as well yeah. um for let's say purposes of today let's call the top five the cowboys steelers packers patriots and 49ers fair
1: enough 49ers, yeah
0: Okay, so when I'm looking at the NFL, and again, this this relates to, you know, signing deals because this stuff's going to persist. Out of those five teams, what do you think about the quarterback? And look, we could add this to the Eagles. Let, let's expand it to seven with the Eagles and the Giants. So yeah. what do you think about the quarterback position at all of those clubs? Arguably the top seven brands in the NFL.
1: Uh, yeah, it's most of those teams. It's kind of up in the air right now. Um garoppolo and in san francisco um g- green did we say no we didn't say green bay no i we got
0: green bay we got
1: yeah okay so i mean they're the mvp of the league although he's aging yeah <laughs> he's, he's pretty old uh um, so
0: the the packers but, are set at least for the next three years right yeah okay. yeah
1: yeah it seems that way although okay. it's still in the air as to I think it's an option for Aaron Rodgers this offseason to go elsewhere. So we'll have to see what he does. I anticipate that he will stay, but you never know. Okay. This day and age, you never know. Um, he he may have had some hurt feelings over them drafting a quarterback last year when they probably were a playmaker away from making the Super Bowl. Um, and they already had a MVP, a quarterback. But um, Giants, Daniel Jones is like, we'll see. He could be the starter for the next 10 years or he could be replaced next year okay uh, so
0: a, a young guy a young yeah. unproven guy um mm-hmm. as a giants fan um what's the uh, more promise or more doubt at this point
1: it's really split okay. it's really a, a microcosm of our country when it comes to daniel jones uh half the people think that He's progressing because if you if you watch the Giants play, he, he makes some tremendous throws, um, and he shows a lot of promise on a pretty frequent basis. And then he also turns the ball over very consistently and has for two years. And there's some question as to how much of that is the offensive line problems and problems at receiver or, or whatnot um, and how much of that is actually the quarterback. So I think time will tell with him, but it's pretty split. Some of the fans think nobody thinks about him like Trevor Lawrence or nobody thinks he's the second coming but some people think he's the type of quarterback like an Eli Manning that you can still win a Super Bowl with um, and a lot of people think that he's just not the guy so he's he's a divisive quarterback
0: so maybe in terms of viewed as a best case scenario be a borderline top 10 quarterback mm-hmm. worst case yeah. scenario be a bottom you know be a, near the bottom of the top 20 quarterbacks
1: I would say worst case scenario he's he's uh yeah Andy Dalton like he okay. he's a backup in a, in a couple of years and still capable um I mean he's athletically and, and physically he's got everything you need and so it's like it, it seems like he'll be in the league for a while but um We've seen it with Jameis Winston. I mean, he went from starting quarterback for a while and, and putting up some numbers to third string for for the Saints this <laughs> last year. So um, I, I think he could have that kind of career as well. I really do.
0: Okay, a couple of fun names on this list in terms of you know maybe the two biggest brands in the NFL uh, long term: mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers.
1: So Dak,
0: Dak Prescott, coming off an injury and already talk about. You know, signing for a big money deal and how Jerry Jones should sign him for the next, you know, five years to save himself some money, but coming off right. a pretty serious injury. I don't know what to make of that. And let me let me yeah. say this, and I'll let you sort of talk about you know observations of yeah. actual play. On the analytics side, you know, I've I've talked about injury analytics now and then. I, I think it is one of the most important areas for analytics, sports analytics, it's also one of the more difficult ones because you're never going to have access to the right data, right? All you're going to know is the general class of injury an athlete had, not the severity severity of it, right? You're not going to have Mm -hmm. quantitative data on what the injury was, which means projecting where people are going to come out of on the other side ends up being really difficult. So with, with Dak Prescott, so let's say there's something called a probability distribution of that. There's mm-hmm. some probability he's going to be absolutely fine. Some probability he's going to be uh, a little worse. Some probability he's going to be a lot, lot worse. We don't know if that's 80, 10, 10, or if it's 30, 40, 30. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, you know, who knows how much the Cowboys actually know, but suddenly yeah. that's really a high risk uh, decision.
1: Yeah, and we've seen different players respond differently to the same injuries, too. So, um, Tom Brady tore his ACL at one point, and part of me thinks with, like, a Brady, he relies on his athleticism so little that... I mean, it's it's yeah. true. He's more of a true pocket quarterback. He's not running around. He doesn't rely on his wheels a whole bunch. And so he's able to come back from that and still be the top quarterback in the NFL at some point between then and now. Um, but we've seen some of the... Better athletes really suffer from those type of injuries. I mean, Robert Griffin III went from top ten NFL quarterback to barely in the league as a backup um, with, with a few similar type injuries. And so, um, and looking in the NBA, uh, like Demarcus Cousins tears his Achilles one time, and he's never the same player. Now he's kind of a role player, bench player. Um, Kevin Durant tears his Achilles and comes back and is the best form of himself, hasn't lost a step, and is having an MVP caliber season, it's it's very hard to look at a player and see them get injured and make a determination as to what their future is going to look like.
0: Okay, I did a quick Google here. So do you want to hazard a guess at the 40 times that Prescott and Brady had at the Combine? I'd
1: imagine Prescott ran like a four six ran a four
0: Brady.
1: seven nine. Okay. Four seven nine. And Brady ran like a five three.
0: Right. <laughs> Brady ran a five point two eight.
1: I was really close. Um, yeah.
0: So Brady yeah. could continue on with a wooden leg. essentially. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Prescott, uh, is a concerning one to me, that injury. And, and, But we've seen, I mean, I think Drew Brees had a tremendous injury at some point and and left the Chargers and was thought to be damaged goods um, by some in the the NFL and then went on to have his best years after that. Right. But
0: but I think the difference is now that it's the, you know, contract situations and um, salary caps almost dictate everything now. Right. So now Mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of uh, Dak Prescott coming out of an injury, but it's. Dak Prescott coming out of an injury and looking for a guaranteed $150 million. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, you know, I really struggle with that in terms of just straight from the analytics side. That seems like a nearly impossible deal to do. If you're the Dallas Cowboys,
1: it does, but they may like well do it, but yeah, yeah. what Like we've seen in the NFL in recent years, quarterbacks have all the power. You you take a franchise like the Cowboys that is has one of the greatest fan bases in all of football and they don't have half the power of a Tom Brady or of a I mean if if the quarterback in a negotiating situation wants something the team has more to lose by losing that quarterback than the quarterback has to lose by losing that team cuz cuz Dak could easily go to the Patriots. Or, or another big brand right. team and get paid what he wants. I don't know that the Patriots would do that if the Cowboys won it, uh, but there, there absolutely is such a high demand for these quarterbacks, and there's there's a shortage of quarterbacks. There's not enough quarterbacks at that level uh, where, where teams are willing to pay a premium, and, and we've seen teams overpay for guys like Kirk Cousins over the years.
0: Well, and I, you know, that's something that they can't stop talking about, right? That Kirk Cousins yeah. has made more money in the NFL over the last five years than anyone else yeah um it's you know but like i said i don't know it's it's a challenge right and so suddenly it's not just paying based on a projection now it's paying based on an incredibly incredibly risky projection okay Mm -hmm. um moving down this list the pittsburgh steelers so suddenly but about two months ago the steelers were 11 and 0 and best record in the league and then they went on a, I think they won one game after starting 11 and 0, went out in the mm-hmm. first round of the playoffs, uh, Lost to the Cleveland Browns, which is interesting because I, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's been said, I don't know who said it, but I think it's been said that suddenly the Steelers have the most uncertain or the least, the least uh, advantageous quarterback position in their conference with mm-hmm. Joe Burroughs at Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. uh,
1: Although Burroughs, another one coming off an injury. Yeah. Um, We'll have to see. I mean, I, I certainly hope that he's the same player he was before, but he's another one that relies on athleticism quite a bit. You start to wonder if he has a less than stellar recovery from his ACL, um, if he'll be the same player he was in college.
0: Well, in and, and uh, you know, obviously Cleveland's got a young upcoming quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson at uh at Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And so the and then the other thing that happened, right, is that uh Roethlisberger has essentially lost the cornerstone of his offensive line with uh, mm-hmm. Pouncey retiring. Yeah. And so suddenly, are the Steelers in rebuilding mode? I mean, the Steelers are a funny team, right? Because the Steelers tend to keep quarterbacks and coaches for decades. Yeah. Uh, so rebuilding doesn't seem like what they tend to do. But if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, are you now going to tear it down and build it back up?
1: Yeah, I think they definitely are in a position where they really – have to start thinking about the future at quarterback. Um, there were times this year where Ben Roethlisberger looked like the Ben Roethlisberger of old and and just was an absolute wizard. I know he was against my Giants early in the season, but he's the same age as an Eli Manning, a Phillip Rivers, these guys that are retiring um, and, and that weren't playing their best football prior to retirement. So we've seen the best of Ben Roethlisberger. The line situation is getting worse. The position, uh, the position surrounding quarterback on offense are probably not as good as they've been in in prior years. And yeah, it looks like it's rebuilding time. Problem for the Steelers is they've had so much success that maybe they don't get the highest draft picks in the NFL. So they're, they don't have the opportunity to rebuild with a Trevor Lawrence. They've got a draft somewhere in the 15 to, Thirty, I mean, fifteen to twenty-five range. I would assume um, because of the record that they had, probably closer to twenties, somewhere in the twenties.
0: Yeah, hard to hard to pull the trigger, right? And you know, and there's more than one person. You know, if you're uh, if you're the Steelers' coach, do you necessarily want to go down that, that path, or do you want to try for one more one more run at it? Now, yeah. one of the things that definitely struck me as interesting when they started talking about it, like Roethlisberger moving on. Okay, so we've had a lot of great quarterback stories in the last couple of years. I'll give you, I, I'll throw an idea out there. Roethlisberger goes to New England, plays with Bill Belichick.
1: I think it'd be fun. I thought Stafford to New England or Rogers to New England. Any of these veteran quarterbacks that maybe haven't had the same luxuries that Tom Brady's had throughout his career, as right. far as coaching staffs and Roethlisberger uh, with ser- two
0: Super Bowl rings, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. So, he's um that would be an interesting one. I don't know if New England does it. I don't know if New England does it, but I would be intrigued if they did.
0: It'd be fun though, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it would be.
0: Um so, you know what and so what's interesting about this, right? In, in the Eagles quarterback position clearly in disarray, I think. Um Which is
1: wild because Carson Wentz looked like the future of the league. People were talking about him the same way they talk about Patrick Mahomes n- not too long ago. As far as prior well, to his ACL, that's another. That's an ACL injury that <laughs> that shows you why paying Dak Prescott is a risky move because Wentz coming off that injury was thought to be. I mean, they pretty much let Foles leave after as a Super Bowl MVP because they believed in Wentz so much, even after his injury, and he uh, has not performed near the level and he's another guy that relied on athleticism quite a bit and so those types of players especially tend to be affected the most by those kinds of injuries
0: okay so now if you're the if you're interested in doing a tv deal with the nfl you're a you're a network or you're a streaming service and you're looking at like i said this kind of cultural chaos in addition with the league you're looking at uh and look there's definitely some uh potential to write the ships right the you know deshaun watson is going to move on from the houston texans seems you know, that way yeah can they place him in one of these marquee brands
1: right but as, right.
0: A, as a marketer when i'm looking at when i'm looking at out for the next let's say at least two three years because things change you know like you're saying with the eagles mm-hmm. things change really rapidly in terms of mm-hmm. sports franchises but i'm kind of concerned that I'm going to lack having that star power at the team level in deep playoff runs. And look, you know, Aaron Rodgers still, you know, probably sticking green Bay and, you know, again, great brand, but I'm not hearing about, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble projecting, projecting great success out of marquee teams in New York, Mm -hmm. Dallas, the Boston area, Chicago, And it kind of scares me a little in terms of what the overall ratings are going to be.
1: This is one of the reasons why I truly see the NFL moving to more of a NBA-type free agency at the quarterback position, where players, especially with Brady having won the Super Bowl this year, where players become less... drawn to the team that drafted them and i know they're financially incentivized but they they are in the nba as well and i think we're going to start seeing more movement from guys like we saw stafford this year but i think if stafford earlier in his career had made a move um, that his legacy certainly would have benefited i don't know financially how different those incentives are for these guys to stay with the teams but we see a lot of quarterbacks stay with teams like Um, I mean, look at some of the best. Mahomes with the Chiefs, he's signed on for forever, essentially. Um, In the NBA, that would never happen. A player like LeBron James at that age would not sign a long term deal. He's thinking year to year, where's my best chance to win a championship? Where's the biggest brand opportunities? If it were the NBA, uh, Mahomes would have ended up a Laker. I mean, it's just inevitable in that league, which I think is part of the success of the NBA to an extent, is that the biggest brands. Tend to attract the biggest players. We haven't seen that in the NFL, uh, partially because of the the league rules and the format and and the way the draft works, the way salary cap works. Uh, but I see it moving in that direction. I see. It, it, I I just can't imagine some of these great quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, playing for the Cincinnati Bengals for forever.
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean it's it's an interesting thought, and I I look, I definitely. I can imagine there's a, there's a definite logic to it. Um, you know, as and I think one of the issues in all this, right. Is this question about how is local fandom going to evolve? I mean, when you bring up mm-hmm. Le- LeBron James, you know, is this the future of sports where it's, it, it's truly, and you know, future of sports, right. I mean, you, you could argue, you go back to Michael Jordan in terms of this, mm-hmm. where the fandom truly becomes almost without, without borders. It's like you were, mm-hmm. More LeBron fans than anything else. Do we get there in the NFL? You know, I I can only speculate that maybe part of the reason why we don't see, and and I think you're right, it's always in the the nitty-gritty in terms of the rules, Mm -hmm. in terms of what you Mm -hmm. have to give away for free agents. I I think the other thing with the NFL, and again, this is coming full circle back to the issue of injuries and just the way that players are worn out via the NFL grind grind and the violence of the game. I mean, I... We talked about Ben Roethlisberger and you know, I think of about a guy like Levy and bell and a guy like Todd Gurley. Right. And so in the NFL, Mm -hmm. it's almost like, well, you know, you got to get paid when you can, because it's, you know, in the NBA, maybe the decline is kind of gradual, but in the NFL, the decline tends to be falling off and maybe not fair for Gurley, but falling off a cliff. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I I think it is kind of fair for Gurley. I think, um, the level of production he had prior to, to a couple of injuries. Okay, can, was, I, uh, can I
0: make a point here? Yeah. I actually, you know, put some caveats on my statement because I was talking to a Bulldog fan, and I know you guys are very <laughs> protective.
1: Yeah, um, I, I mean, I have to be objective when I'm looking at players like Todd, but um, certainly a drop-off in his performance from his offensive MVP season to now um but quarterbacks a little bit different so i i think quarterbacks like we've been talking about have so much power in this league and they tend to lack the <laughs> quarterbacks that are elite tend to last much longer the exceptions being a player like rg3 uh vince young had a season or two where he looked like he was going to be elite and then fell off but for the most part um it's hard to imagine lamar jackson or um Justin Herbert or, or some of these young guys that look like future franchise quarterbacks or even a Patrick Mahomes not being a valuable player five years from now? Um,
0: well, well, you know that, that look, that's a good question. And again, what we can sort of nest this back in injury analytics, right? When your quarterback takes hits, yeah, you know, and uh, I think, look, Lamar Jackson takes different hits than Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. Talk. And, and that's, that's the big question, and I think it's largely it's an unknown that I don't think has to remain an unknown. Someone's got the data to really dig into that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I have to imagine that the the NFL is incentivized, whether they want to be or not, to have a player like Joe Burrow not wasting away in Cincinnati with a small fan base and, and little TV time, but leading a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers to Super Bowls or a team like the Dallas Cowboys to Super Bowls. That to me seems like the best case scenario for a league like the NFL, um, and, and so it's hard to me. It's hard for me to imagine rule the rules that are the rules and in, in salary cap um, details that are keeping players like that in cities like Cincinnati. Um, I, I just imagine those changing due to necessity for the NFL.
0: Well, you know, I think that that raises kind of a an interesting question in terms of can, can we think of too many examples where players moved on from their original draft teams and had truly impactful careers
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm, I'm sort of just kind of, you know, scanning my memory I, banks here. Drew, Drew to come Brees
1: up. is the first one that comes to mind for me.
0: Yeah. So Drew Brees picked by who was it? Uh, San Diego, San Diego. Chargers.
1: Yep. Yep. And uh, he left there for the Saints and had some of his most productive years because he played on teams with LaDainian Tomlinson where really seemed like they should be a Super Bowl team and never made it that far. Um, and he moved on, team moved on to Phillip Rivers. And, and obviously, Drew Brees went on to have one of the great <laughs> uh, runs, I, I guess, as an individual performer for the Saints and and, of course, won a Super Bowl there as well.
0: The, the one that was um, sort of popped into my head, that I, but I wanted to look it up to make sure, was Steve Young. And, uh, you know, because I remember that he, was, he did not originally start out with the 49ers, and he played for mm-hmm. the Buccaneers before that. But what I had forgotten about was he actually started with the Los Angeles Express of mm-hmm. the USFL. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, and I'm sure we're missing a, a couple. I think missing Brett, a few.
1: Favre, Brett, Brett Favre was drafted by the Falcons
0: quickly traded to the Packers though, or uh,
1: I think he played some for the Falcons. Okay. But, a rookie but, year.
0: but I think the point, you know, the, the point maintains that in, for whatever reason, there tends to be, a, it tends to be a relatively rare event. Um, so, you know, maybe a really kind of a, a trend to potentially look for, you know, maybe accelerated by, by Brady yeah. in terms of, you know, being able to yeah. uh, attract the talent to create that kind of winning, because look, just as in the NBA, you know, bringing a group of players together generates income for those players. Uh, you know, joining Brady in Tampa Bay probably made Rob Gronkowski a lot of money. Leonard and, Fournette
1: certainly made a lot of money from that. And
0: Antonio Brown kind of back in mm-hmm. business as well.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that's that's just a prediction from for me. Um, uh, based on the state of the league, looking at these quarterbacks, the better younger quarterbacks are tending to be at the smaller brand teams. I mean, if if we look at your fan rankings, I'm sure we could go down the line and very few of them are even in the top fifteen.
0: Yeah, and, and this just this just you know creates the big question of what does that actually imply for the what does that imply for the league? And it's not mm-hmm. look, this is not an NFL specific issue if you know major league baseball had their choice between you know essentially having the Yankees play the Dodgers in the World Series or the you know the Yankees and the Cubs every year versus having the you know Tampa Bay Tampa Bay versus having mm-hmm. Tampa Bay play Denver or Seattle right we we know which way they would go if the NCAA tournament had the option of Kentucky versus Duke you know again it's it's one of the sort of the hidden we love the idea of competition. We love the idea of the under, the under, um, the underdog. But the reality is, these are brands in play, and these are brands that bring fan bases with them. So it's yeah, kind of an and interesting question moving forward. We
1: started we started our discussion with um, looking at the Super Bowl statistics for this year, as far as viewership is concerned, and of course, you it, it was essentially the Tom Brady brand versus the Patrick Mahomes brand. But imagine if it had been Brady's Cowboys going up against. Mahomes, I'm trying to think of an AFC team. <laughs> that, well, M- Mahomes,
0: Steelers, right? Steelers, yeah. I yeah. mean, that,
1: that's I, I would imagine viewership would be a little bit better, and and the NFL's revenue would be a little bit better if it's Brady for the Cowboys. That would be crazy. Mahomes for the Steelers. I mean, the that would be the biggest brands in football individually playing for the biggest brands in football, the biggest fan bases in football would be must-watch for just about anyone. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay and Kansas City, though, I mean, that's that's just kind of, it feels weird. It feels, if, uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the game just the same as I would, but I think for for the masses, having those, those Dallas Cowboy-type brands uh, is a game-changer.
0: No, I mean, look, you lose out in two ways, right? You lose out both in terms of the iconic or marquee nature of the brands And you lose out in terms of the market size. Yeah, you know Tampa Bay and uh, Tampa Bay and Kansas City are not New York and Los Angeles, and so it's a it's a bunch of it's kind of the interesting complexity to all this. Okay, so Doug, looking ahead, anything on your uh, anything on your radar as we hit as we hit mid February of twenty twenty one? I tend to, and I don't know about you, I tend to feel like. The COVID year of sports has now ended. We are in COVID like plus that's a let's call it CS, you know, COVID yeah. sports. we that was year zero. We're in year one. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> is that how they're are they gonna change how we uh how we tell time now or how we how we sports time. I don't know. Sports, sports time Yeah, really. Sports time. So yeah. year one. Yeah. Um, yeah, for year one, I think I'm looking forward to most at the moment, or what I'm looking forward to most at the moment is March Madness still, as I mentioned last week, having gone so long without that crazy time of year, um, I think a lot of sports fans are excited about the prospect of it. That's another one where brand-wise, interesting to look at and see teams like Duke, UNC, Kentucky not being the top dogs this season. Uh, college basketball has always been a league with a little bit more parity and a little bit more um, freedom for smaller schools to have success. And uh, I don't know how much it will hurt their ratings, but the national championships we've seen where it's Kentucky versus UConn or UNC versus Kentucky and, and, and Duke versus UNC in the Elite Eight, that kind of scenario doesn't seem as likely this year. Um, nonetheless, it's March Madness. I watch it for the Cinderella teams, and I, I'm ecstatic about getting to see that happen this year. Lord willing, of course, this time last year, we thought we were getting a tournament, and, and things changed very quickly. So we'll have to see what happens, but at the moment, it looks like we're going to have March Madness in, in less than a month.
0: I think it's a good call, because I'm a big college, belt, college basketball guy as well. I don't think there's any... Uh, you know i do think they're kind of in a really strange place and look maybe maybe i maybe i've been wrong in terms of past comments maybe name image and likeness is actually going to help out that league cuz i'm looking at it right now and you know it strikes me that it's all about the brands that are playing because there really is very little star power at the individual yeah. player level
1: there's not a zion that's right. for
0: sure and and so maybe if nil goes into know, sort of full-on production. Maybe we'll start to see some players that get enough meat. And, and look, when I think about fandom, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna blame the players because I tend to think people root for what's put in front of them, whether it's sports, right. whether it's music. And so maybe NIL can actually get the players back to the level where some of them are are household names. But otherwise, that that industry, I'm looking forward to too. But the prospects just just scare me.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll say this, um, and we could do a whole episode, and I'm sure we will at some point, in regards to NIL and college basketball. But how much have you heard about those top prospects we talked about last year who ended up in the G League? How much have we heard about their performances, their individual brands? I haven't seen a single G League highlight. I don't even know if the G League's playing. I I assume they are because it's basketball season. But some of those same players that maybe made $750,000 $750,000 to go play for some G League team out in San Francisco. Uh, maybe if they go to Duke and are able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, they can leverage that Duke brand for the name recognition like Zion did. It's hard to imagine Zion making less than seven hundred fifty grand in his one season at Duke um, should he have had the opportunity to capitalize off of his personal brand. And so I think we might see more of those basketball players, those top prospects driven back into college basketball from all this, which would be great for, for the NCAA and, and for these universities.
0: Yeah. I think the, like the only problem is right. suddenly now we're in a world where Zion will be directed towards whatever, uh, whatever opportunity is going to make the most money for the yep. Zion brand. Right. And I,
1: mean, I think you probably would have ended up at Duke either way. Yeah. Well,
0: mean, but it's, it's a good question. I mean, cause you know, when you say making seven more than seven hundred fifty, I suspect Zion would have been in a five million dollar. And again, yeah. I'm just throwing out numbers. A five million dollar shoe deal, right? Let yeah. alone what else he could have. Um, so Zion might have been a ten million dollar first year player at Duke. Yeah, I don't, I don't. But what would he be in in the G League? It's a sort of a really good question.
1: G League just doesn't have the exposure to me that it do cast. So I would think those endorsements wouldn't be quite as valuable uh, for for someone like Nike because no one's watching them play um, at this point. So it's it seemed like an opportune time for the G League to really become something significant in the last couple of years. And it seems like they've been moving there and getting to that point. But now it looks like it might reverse back in favor of college sports. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on.
0: Wouldn't that be something if we saw something? Saw this evolve to college sports ended up being more lucrative for the top player every other year, right? The guy with true superstar potential, whereas for let's say players two through twenty, the G League ended up being a better opportunity. <laughs> I, I mean, it's you know?
1: it's it's possible. Yeah. It, it is certainly possible, and I haven't heard much talk about. Um, what it's going to look like as as far as nil and i guess again that's something we can discuss in another episode of analytics and again
0: i think this brings us full circle and we can wrap it here because it Mm -hmm. it just kind of highlights how everything has been put into flux i mean we had these Mm -hmm. long term trends about cable cutting and Mm -hmm. the way people were consuming highlights and media and in games but the last year of political upheaval combined with covid we are you know in uh covid sports year one it's going to be fascinating to watch i it might be scary as all hell to watch if you're sitting in a front office somewhere or a league office somewhere mm-hmm. or a tv network but as you know an academic observer i think we're definitely in a transition point where something you know it's going to be fu- like i said fun to watch for the next couple of years okay so we'll we'll wrap it up there next week we have a Well, what no one has been asking for, Mike and Doug will become fashion reviewers, and we'll take a look at the NBA. Sorry, how do you explain this, Doug? The NBA? I
1: I rank the NBA uniforms just like you rank the NBA fans.
0: So we will get into the NBA uniforms. Um, Doug will give you a thorough, well-thought-of analysis. I will play kind of the grumpy old man sitting on his porch complaining about the modern world, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, Beyond that, always more content at fandomanalytics.com. Thanks for listening and uh, talk to you next week.